been trying to think about what brings me joy in my life and cleaning up my life in a way to get rid of the things that don't bring me joy. So some of you might identify my method as the Marie Kondo method. And I just want to say her method is not bringing me joy. It's bringing me stress. So we're talking about the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which is the clean up your house and be happy book. Yeah. Uh, I believe that Natalie and Stacey have now both read this book. I have not, but I have now heard enough about it that I believe I can talk about it. I love this book. I, I am like a Marie Kondo fan, and I have seen her series where she cleans up the homes of New Yorkers, and I have not read her second book. But I've read her like first book multiple times and I've like listened to interviews and I think she made my life a lot better in that not that this like keeping your keeping stuff that brings you joy shit like that I don't think is the the important stuff. The important thing about Marie Kondo is throwing away shit that makes you feel guilty. Just throwing away everything that makes you feel kind of bad. All right, I think I can agree with you on this point. She should rebrand her book, not as the magical art of tidying up, but the magical art of throwing shit away. But I thought it was like a euphemism. It was going to make you feel pleasant about it, you know? It's like, it's tidying up. It's not throwing away all the prized possessions that you actually just feel weird about for some reason. Yeah, so I threw away, like, stuffed animals that that were given to me that I didn't like. But, like, I felt kind of bad because, you know, like, you never want to throw away a stuffed animal. And I threw away, like, you know, the the five-pound jeans, the jeans that if only you lost five pounds, they would be great. But it's been, like, ten years. That's that's never going to happen. So I threw those away, too. I just threw away a lot of stuff that people gave me. And then I felt bad because they were gifts. But I had never used them. And I could would never use them. Like, I had, like, stuff I would never wear books I had never read, things that were, like, given to me by people I don't like, all of that stuff, just gone, gone. But the problem is how to throw away stuff that you don't want to throw away, and she's telling you that you should. Well, the thing is, if it sparks joy, then don't throw it away. Yeah, but I have, I derive so much joy from life, Natalie, that's the problem. Everything gives me joy. Well, then don't throw away stuff, like, then I guess like, <laughs> what is the issue? Yes. I feel like a lot of it is also you have to have the appropriate amount of stuff for the size of your living conditions. Like if you live in a house, somehow you have more permission to own more stuff. And so I feel like a lot of where Marie Kondo is writing from is also cultural. Like she targets people who live in like Japanese society where individuality is not quite as promoted as it is in the United States, there is definitely this idea that you are one of the crowd, you're one of society, do your part, and everybody's t- crammed into these like tiny apartments. So maybe throwing away things is much more important than it is to another person in another country, in another society, in another culture. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess uh, I like living a minimal lifestyle just because it suits the fact that I travel so often and I usually have to throw everything away whenever I travel because I can't have room for it. Yeah, I feel like Tracy has unknowingly picked up the Marie Kondo method. Yeah, but even so, like when I, in terms of just the stuff that I choose to buy, 
And then what I choose to do with it later, a lot of times I would have the moments, like Natalie said, of just like, oh, it was a gift or it had special meaning to me. Like, okay, here's a great example. Whenever I go on a trip, I take like the, the brochures and the guides that I get from like every single attraction I go to and I bring them all home with me. And then when I get home, I'm like, oh, it's the zoo I went to. And it's a little hotel where we stayed. It's so cute. And then I have, like, envelopes and envelopes of these shitty brochures that are, like, memorabilias from my trips. And <laughs> I need to throw them all out. But every time I see them, I'm like, oh, they make me happy. But not really. It's the thought of the trip that makes me happy. Can you transform it into something else? That's a good idea. I could, like, make a collage or, like, cut it up and put it in a little album or something. In the end, I just throw it out because the second it's out of my sight, I forget it was ever there. And if you ask me, like, Tracy, what's the thing that you've thrown away that you regret the most? I'm like, I don't know. I wonder if it also stems from maybe a difference in background because I was forced to move around a lot when I was a kid. So every time you move, you have to throw some things away. And then some things get lost in the shipment. Like that box just never arrives. And the moving company is like, we don't know what happened to it. I guess it's just gone. Or maybe you never packed it. Marie Kondo does say you're allowed to keep things that have sentimental value for you. And I think for me, it's just that almost everything for me has sentimental value because it's, you know, from a different stage in my life. This is from when I was living in this country. This is when I was part of this culture. And, you know, when you have things lost you instead of something that you chose to throw away maybe the lo- the fear of loss is stronger in you do you actually feel that your house is cluttered like do you feel that you need this you know like are you do you look at your room and you're like damn this is a mess and i hate it or is it like this is all my good stuff and i love it mm, a little bit of both more like i have the ability to sh- like put things away and that's fine but the thing is like they kind of burst out of confinement very easily and that's also the problem and Marie is like oh no that's not a solution that's just like a temporary band-aid like the problem is that you have too much stuff I think maybe you're just not a Marie Kondo person like you would have never sought out her services probably I don't think I would have because I would never hire somebody to do cleaning for me I found her book when I was still living, I believe. And then what happened was I moved from Taiwan to my parents' house to another place and then finally into my own apartment. It was like four moves in like two months. And I found it so exhausting that I was like, I got a Marie Kondo my life because I am never doing this again. I never want to have so much stuff that I can't fit it into the back of my car. I think for me, kind of similar to Tracy, is like I want to be able to feel like I have the ability to move and move quickly if, you know, the aliens came. Although if the aliens came, you really wouldn't need any of your stuff. Not even your, like, book collection and your nice clothes. It would just be like, get the bug out bag. We're getting out of here. (laughs) But, yeah, I, I can see both sides of this because on one hand, I wish I had more room for more stuff. Like, I've always been, for instance, a person who enjoys... A bit of a library and I do not have one because there's just no room for books in my style of living so that's one area in which I miss that oh it's junk but it's my junk and I love it kind of sensation uh, with other things it's very good for me to think of it in context of just how much I can get it out of my room have you ever watched one of those shows where it's like a makeover show 
and the first thing they do is go through your closet and they're just like, what is this garbage? This is your band t-shirt from fifth grade? We're throwing that away. Is this dress you wore to your wedding? Throw it away. It's all gone. And like the first thing I think when I watch this show is the second they leave, I'm going into the garbage and getting my shit back. But Tracy, you would never be on a show like this. I would, though, if they got me new clothes. <laughs> really? You would be, like, okay with being filmed and all that stuff? Definitely. I oh, mean, okay. I wouldn't feel good about it, but... Well, first of all, your friends have to nominate you for the show. And then the show producers, they come and spy on your life to make sure that you really are, like, a wreck and this would be hilarious on TV. That's not going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me look up how to nominate you, then. But yeah, like, okay, so what I was getting at with all that is... I think you should keep your shitty t-shirts, but also pare down on the kinds of things that you don't actually care about. You know, you have a lot of things that seem stupid, but are actually really meaningful to you. And then you have a lot of things that are just like, you shouldn't have bought them to begin with, you know? Like, you bought it because it was on sale, and you didn't like it then, and you don't like it now. Like, whenever I go shopping, I end up with just one piece of clothing that I think is something I would wear. And it's not that it doesn't look good on me, it's that I do not have the mental fortitude to put it on. Okay, I admit, I have a weakness like that, too. There are definitely clothing that I've never worn, and I'm just holding out to wear them at least once before I throw them out. Otherwise, it feels like such a waste of my money if I bought something that I will never wear. Yeah, but you know what it is? It wasn't for you, it was for, like, you and the universe over, who likes (laughs) stripes. I don't know, like, who... It's okay with just a little more cleavage. It's never for you. It's for that other person that you can kind of see at the corner of your eye. Marie Kondo says it's like a lesson, right? Like sometimes you have to buy an object to learn something about yourself. And the lesson was you shouldn't have bought that shirt. And now you know. And then so you're like, thank you, shirt, for teaching me this lesson. Goodbye. I feel like it's easier said than done. If I had to pinpoint the one reason I have not actually read this book, despite so many people at least saying it's worth the look... It is that it seems to involve a lot of personifying your stuff. And if there's one thing that makes me not want to throw something away, it's personifying it. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm talking to my shirts, now I have this whole Toy Story world where, like, the shirts have emotions and feelings. And they're just like, Tracy, I'm a good shirt. Are you really going to throw me in a garbage bin? Just like, no, shirt. We'll make it work somehow. And then I also like the idea that you have, like, a drop-off space. Like, when you get home... Your keys and your phone, they all have, like, a place that you drop them off. And it sounds like a really simple idea, but I had to read it in a book. Yeah, I think a lot of the advice that is good advice is the kind of thing that seems like common knowledge or, like, you shouldn't need somebody to explain to you how to do this. But if you're at that point in your life where you're just not doing it for whatever reason, then to have somebody outline it really simply is like, oh, is that what it takes? Because I can do that right now. I kind of want to do like another Marie Kondo purge. It's just like, I feel like now, like whenever I'm not happy with my life, I think I can just throw away large swaths of it away. Because you can't really do that (laughs) with like life life, but you can do that with things. But isn't this just kind of like transference? Like you're transferring your your feelings of frustration into like inanimate objects and throwing them away. No, actually when I'm like sad or depressed or angry or basically anything where I'm too frustrated in my brain to do anything else, I really like to clean. Like it's gotten to the point where if I'm heavily cleaning, somebody should ask me what's wrong. 
Marie Kondo talks about that too. And then she's like, having a clean life forces you to face yourself. I think the example she uses in her book is whenever she had to study, she would notice how messy her room was and how she would have like a compelling need to clean it. But it was just because she didn't want to study. Mm-hmm. And then like, but once you have a clean house, you have to study, like you have to face your problems because there's less distraction. Like the more you eliminate like easy things to do, like this is why, you know, if you have problems with food, you shouldn't keep snacks in your house because they're so easy when they're right there. It doesn't mean you can't go to the grocery store. You're just trying to make it a little hard for you. Yeah, I don't disagree with her. I'm just saying that, you know, I will never have to face my problems. Yeah. Okay, so what is the Stacey magic of tidying up? Like, Stacey, if you had to make a an alternate guideline for people to get their rooms clean that did not involve throwing all the things away, where would that be in your brain? Uh, for starters, stop leaving shit on the floors. I just, I had this friend in college and she would just constantly just leave things on the floor or just shove them in her closet when she had like people coming over. So once like I was visiting her and I just started cleaning her room for her just because it was that bad. I just realized the problem wasn't that she had too much stuff. It was that it was more that they didn't have their proper place. So I would just be like, you know, everything has somewhere that it belongs. Like if it's clothes, it belongs on a hanger or folded up. If it's like shoes, it belongs inside the closet. If it's a purse, like have like a little drawer that's just for your purses. Yeah, this was why I bought a coat rack because I used to come into my bedroom every day and throw my coat on the ground. Because that's where I went. Uh, There was no alternate plan for it. But I realized it needed a spot, so I bought the coat rack. And now, like, it's right there for me to throw all my coats on. The second I come in the door, and there's less shit on the floor than there once was. I'm not going to say nothing on the floor, because that's a lie. Right, because that was one thing that I kind of disagree with Marie Kondo, is that she disparages, like, buying more storage. And I get her point. It's just kind of more like, if you already have enough storage, there's... Like, if you're trying to buy additional storage, you're just kind of putting a bandit on top of, like, a stab wound. It's not really going to change anything. It just makes you feel better. But at the same time, I think there are definitely people out there who don't even have any, like, proper organizational storage to begin with. I would like a custom-made closet or something where I'm like, mm-hmm. I know how I like to organize my socks, and this is how the socks are going to go in, and I know how to organize my pants and this is how I'm organizing my pants in this closet. What is your favorite type of clothing? A dress because you don't have to coordinate. When I was in college my uniform basically was a sundress and flip-flops and I didn't even have to think about oh like does this top go with these pants do these shoes go with like the top but not the pants so no it's like you just have your dress and flip-flops go with everything in the summer. I kind of want to do the kind of wardrobe where everything matches with everything else and everything you I own is lovely and nice. I found an app the other day that uh, it's a capsule wardrobe app, which I guess is basically what you're describing. But uh, uh-huh. you enter in all the clothes you have and it tells you, first of all, what to get rid of. And secondly, like what you need to complete the capsule wardrobe that they have planned for you. That sounds terrible. I know you would hate this because this is very Marie Kondo in concepts. But for me, mm-hmm. like somebody who just likes to keep very few clothes and it's good if they all match like this would be all right for me um but the thing is i didn't want to pay monthly for this 
concept that I think I could throw together myself if I really put my mind to it. I kind of want to just have a wardrobe that I can like put on, like I can throw on something when I'm already 15 minutes late. Yeah. Well, that's another thing this app does is it tells you then how to mix and match, which I guess maybe some people know how to do in their brains, but this is for people who are not like that. I like that, that, you know, if you have X amount of jackets and X amount of shirts and X amount of pants, they can be mixed and matched in a variety of ways. And, like, if they're all basically in the same color scheme, then you wouldn't have to think about it. You would just kind of do something different than you did yesterday, and it would all work out. Um, but the one thing I don't like about these capsule wardrobes is that they often make you choose, like, one color or two colors. And I don't like that. That's That's every day the same color, which... I maybe do a little bit more than I think I do, but I don't think I should lean into that. I think I should embrace an entire set of colors. I don't know. I also like this idea of having clothes that go with each other. But the thing is, I feel like that only works if if you already kind of have a set uniform for yourself. And that's true for a lot of people. And that's really cool. But I'm just not one of them. I just feel like what I want to look like and what I enjoy wearing are two very different things because I would like to look stylish and polished and sophisticated but what I want to wear is just like tights and a sweater or like <laughs> tights and a t-shirt or like I basically I want to wear pajamas that I can wear outside and I love like big thick fuzzy socks that like give you support so it feels like you're walking on clouds but they are not fashionable Unless, like, you live in a very snowy place and out of necessity. So what does being fashionable even mean, though? I just want to look clean and polished. But a lot of clean and polished clothing is uncomfortable because it's, like, overly structured. But I like that structured look. Mm, I don't know that I agree with it, though. I mean... Yes, there are definitely some clean and polished looks that are uncomfortable. But I do think that you can look clean and polished while being comfortable. You just, you know, whether or not those styles appeal to your sense of what clean and polished look like. For me, I have not found a clean and polished legging style. Like not even on Pinterest or Instagram where when they have like a photo, I'm like, I know what you're doing. You're wearing leggings you didn't want to wear jeans because jeans are uncomfortable when you sit down for long periods of time same with leather pants leather pants are just like terrible Mm -hmm. forever they will never stop being terrible okay maybe it made sense in like the olden days because you wanted a fabric that was just like really durable and wouldn't fray or anything but those are like functional leather pants they are not tight they're not meant to make you look cool they're just there so you can like muck out the stables and go riding and fall off the horse and be fine. These sound great. Where do I get them? You can't. Nobody makes them anymore. <laughs> I just I feel like feeling comfortable and having my butt look nice are two opposite things. They're like two circles that do not overlap. No, no. There is one really tiny subsection of like clothing I think fits your criteria and it's called Activewear. You're talking about, like, uh, workout clothes. Yes, exactly. But, like, it's not just clothes that necessarily that you work out in. Because some people 
feel like, oh, what's the point of spending money on fancy workout clothes if I'm just going to get them sweaty anyway? So I'll just like wear this ratty t-shirt with these like 10-year-old sweatpants and it'll be fine. But I'm here to tell you that no, you don't understand like the beauty and the appeal of activewear until you actually put it on. And you're just like, oh, these are so comfortable and I can move around in them and like lift my leg over my head if I were flexible enough. <laughs> and like, it makes your butt look great too. If you had to give me a capsule activewear get up, what am I looking for? You're gonna look for like a comfy like sports bra and preferably one that has like closures, like bra hooks and stuff so you can like take it off more easily. Uh. Don't give me like one of that single like this is just a bikini top shit because like when you're sweating and like you're trying to pull that off, it, it's stuck to you because of sweat. So you want something that basically can unhook itself. Maybe you want like a, an active wearing top that has like an inbuilt bra shelf so that way you don't have to worry about like my sports bra and my t-shirt. And then you want like just, it's the active wear pants. That's where the beauty is at. If you have that, it's just like, it supports your butt so nicely. And like, you could just like sit in all these different positions, lift your leg over your head if you feel like it. And it's great. So these are not like, these are like yoga pants or are they more like spandex pants? Like what is the material? It's like a marriage between the two. <laughs> Okay. Especially if you get like the moisture wicking and they have like all these different pockets for when you go jogging and you need to keep your keys on you and you need to keep some like coins on you just in case you want to stop for like a drink or something. Do you have like a particular brand or one that you recommend? This is going to sound really stupid, but I would say 80% of all my activewear comes from Forever 21. They're not, it's not as like good quality as if you bought from like a brand like Nike or under armor but like it's like a really reasonable price and the support is actually great like i am not so active that i need the high quality provided by under armor i work out at just the right amount of forever 21 amount what is the best brand for the no activity activewear also called laser wear <laughs> <laughs> this is my sitting in a chair wear I don't know what it entails. Possibly a pillow built straight into the pants? I have a lady friend who is in her 60s. Like, she's in her mid-60s. And I do not think she is terribly active. Or, you know, she could surprise me. But what I know about her, she's not. But she really likes Lululemon. But that also costs you an arm and a leg. But she was like, those pants, like, she's like, these are the best pants I have ever worn in my life. And she's like, in her mid-60s. So she has like 20 years of pant time on us. No, like 40, 30. She has like a whole <laughs> lifetime of pant wearing. I was just upset because I thought Lululemon was a frozen yogurt company. And then when I found out they just make workout clothes, it was a little bit of a letdown. I'm upset because the Lululemon name was picked to mock Japanese people. Really? Yeah. The founder thought it would be really funny to make Japanese people pronounce the word Lululemon. Ugh, that's gross. He is a very gross man. Ugh. Yeah. Also, all the clothes are manufactured in Taiwan, but you can't buy them in Taiwan. Jesus is a little gross. I hate him. Yeah. And, oh, once they were selling those uh, mantra beads for 108 US dollars because there are 108 beads in total. 
That's something only white people do. I was going to say, that sounds like they made it specifically so Gwyneth Paltrow would put it on her Christmas goop lists and they could get a lot of publicity. But Yeah. I have a yoga friend who is, like, super into Lululemon, though. She keeps raving about Lululemon yoga mats and stuff. I'm like, that's great. I think you're only ready for a Lululemon mat when you've ripped, like, three regular mats and you just can't, like, your yoga is too hot. Like, regular yoga mats can no longer handle your yoga. So, if you had a house... What would be the best room? The library. Probably my bedroom. I'll always make my bedroom the favorite room. Mine would be the kitchen. I feel like everything else can be average. If I could just splurge on one room, it would be the kitchen. Yeah, there are people who say like the kitchen is the heart of the house. I always like it in the redecoration shows when they do the kitchen because they always put stuff in there that I didn't even know existed yet. Like, the ovens that they find, I'm like, that looks like an oven that a chef would have. And now you just put it in this guy's house. I'm just thinking of all, like, the nice pots and pans Mm. and, like, cutting boards. Boards that are not for cutting but for serving sandwiches and cheese. Like, I would go fancy in my kitchen. The blocks of salt that you can cook on. (laughs) Oh. Cheese wheel. Have you ever seen, like, the, the labs thing? There's a thing that you can pull out and then, like, suck all the air out of something. So, like, it kind of puts out a fire. Oh, I've seen this in kitchens. I mean, like, uh, restaurant kitchens. Yeah, I want one of those things. Yeah, so if you have a big disaster, this giant tube will eat it up for you. Yeah. I kind of also have this, like, weird fantasy where, like, you have a kitchen, right? And you have, like, a door that you can, like, walk out of your kitchen. And look, it's your grill set up. And there's an outdoor... And, like, one of those fire pits? Yeah, let's throw in a pizza oven. It's fantasy. Fire pits are mosquito traps. Do you mean that the mosquitoes will be killed in the fire pit? No, it just means that if you go there, you will be eaten by mosquitoes. Then there should be a second fire pit that's there to be destroying mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> you should just destroy all the mosquitoes. <laughs> If money was not an option, like, how big would your bathtub be? The room. Just the size of the bathroom. Like, when you went into the bathroom, there would be a separate, like, sink and getting your face ready room. But the bathroom would be the bathroom because when you step into it, it is the bath. And then on the sides would be, like, you know, all your little shelves or bottles and things. But basically, it would just be, like, one giant spa room that fills with, like, bubbles and shit. As soon as you turn on one of the many levers, and yeah, that's fantasy bathroom. I feel like it can't be too big because then the jacuzzi jets don't work as well. Well, there would be like little sections. You know, it wouldn't be just one big tub. It would be like a tub with many sections. So you could get into like the jacuzzi area or like the little swimming pool area. It's like a Roman bath. (laughs) Yeah, the Roman bath, exactly. The Romans invented this, like most things that I invent. (laughs) Oh, and it would have one of those rainfall showers, the whole roof. Like, the Rainforest Cafe would be, like, the rumblings of thunder, and then the roof would start to rain, and this is how I rinse my hair. <laughs> Tracy, have you considered, like, opening your own resort? There's a lot of things I need to open. I don't know that a resort is high on the list, but my resort would be top-notch. It would be all jungle-themed. So it's really, like, the Rainforest Cafe bathroom would be the start of it. 
Do you remember the prefix bathroom in Harry Potter? Yes. yes. Shit, that's... I was trying to remember when I was talking about the luxurious bathtub where my concepts were coming from, but that's definitely my dream bathtub. As soon as they described it, I was like, oh, I want all those crazy spouts that who even knows what they all do? Like, one spot for hot water, one spot for cold water, one spot for, like, milk. Like, I totally want to try bathing in, like, goat milk. I admit <laughs> that. How do you feel with, like, bathing with fish? Yes. Depends on the fish. Okay, I don't want to hurt the fish, though. I feel like a lot of the shit I would put in my tub would hurt the fish. <laughs> well, like, what yeah. if you had, like, inside your t- tub, it had, like, glass boundaries, and then there was, like, a little, like, section of water where the fishy could swim. So it's not part of your water, but it's clear. So you can see the fishies, and they can see you. Yes. A+. plus. I want that. That's kind of traumatizing for the fish, but... It wouldn't be, like, a little wall that they're stuck in. It would be, like, I can see into the aquarium. I'm just wondering about, like, the insulation going on between, like, your bath and the rest of the aquarium. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't want the heat of my bath water to affect the water that the fish are swimming in. Because that could kill them, potentially, too. I went to a restaurant once where, in the bathroom, one wall was a fish tank. It was just a wall that was entirely a fish tank. And I stayed in there for too long. Watching the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably for people who are, like, pooping. So they have, like, some sort of entertainment going on. Yeah, relax to the gentle sounds of fish bubbles. <laughs> How do you feel about eating in tubs? I eat in tubs. I drink water in tubs. Because, yeah. you know, you gotta stay hydrated. Yeah, if you're taking a bath that's hot enough, you're gonna need some cold water. But I also, yeah. I bring snack foods. I like those little things you put in your bath that's like a little tray, kind of like a breakfast and bed tray, but this is like a reading your book and eating tray. So do you want to eat hot food in the tub, or do you want to eat like cold food in the tub? Like cold to room temperature, snack food. Yeah, snack food, like potato chips maybe. I would classify potato chips as like something that could be really gross if it fell in the water. Like I like to eat uh, kind of fruit or chocolate bars or cheeses, anything like that. I eat my luxury foods in the bathtub. That's the whole point. Yeah. (laughs) I would go for wine and cheese in the bath. Yes, you should have some wine. What about pizza? It's never a bad time to have pizza. Yes. I would say cold pizza in particular would be especially good, but I will not turn my nose up at anyone who wants to eat hot pizza in the hot tub. I feel like I could eat pizza, but not like deep dish pizza. Because deep dish Mm. pizza is just like just too much. I don't even accept deep dish pizza as pizza. Huh? I don't accept deep dish pizza as, like, pizza. We're going to need another podcast if we were going to start on this. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Next episode, what is food? What food is in some categories and what is in other categories? Is all pizza true pizza or are pies pizza? Are pizzas pies? Pies are pizza. So, are there edible things that aren't food? Do you guys have any recommendations to make this week? I have been listening to nothing but The Adventure Zone, which I know is old news to anybody who reads the internet, but this is uh, the McElroy Brothers podcast that's only about playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's one of those things where I started listening to it, and I was like, these guys are just goofing around. They're not really trying to do D&D, but I sort of kept listening. And it got very, very good and epic and still kind of goofy in a way that will make you happy if you like listening to those guys talk about nonsense. So I recommend The Adventure Zone. Well, I recommend the Netflix TV series, Master of None. 
speaking as somebody who is of Taiwanese descent, this is a great show if you are also from an immigrant family in the United States. I fell in love with the series with episode two in their first season when they start talking about their immigrant families because I'm like, wow, he has totally captured my Taiwanese relatives in this really silly story about a kid who was forced to eat his pet chicken. Mine is also kind of a podcast. It's the Serious Eats podcast. They interviewed Andy Ricker. He answered one question of like, what is your guilty pleasure? And he's like, I don't mix guilt and pleasure. They're two separate things. And I was like, I need to write this down. I do not mix guilt and pleasure. There's only guilty things and there are pleasurable things. I think, I think this is life-changing. I've got to listen to that. I really like our blog. I get most of my recipes from Serious Eats. I'm just like, why does it have to be serious, though? Can't we have, like, frivolous eats? That's your blog. I'm going to help you make it. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll talk about $12 chocolates. I don't know. In some circles, that is very serious. That is like the most serious of chocolates. Yeah, but it's a frivolous spending of money as well. Not to the guy who made it, where he's like, you know, <laughs> I'm charging you $12, but I should actually charge you 16 because it took me 16 years to come up with this recipe. And it came to me on a meditation retreat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these two blogs need to be like affiliated. There's like the serious side of the story and the frivolous side of the story. And then in the middle, there's just the guy that's just like, I was hungry, dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be like a two-column blog, and it's like, takedown. And it's like, so-and-so's side, and then like, so-and-so's side. And then like, it will be like a Food Network show where it's like, oddly confrontational, but weird. It's like if you had a food show on E! Network instead of like the Food Network. Next time on E! Two chefs fight over whose recipe is better. No, it's going to be like 12 chefs, two bathrooms, four bedrooms, one kitchen. And also the property brothers are there trying to renovate the whole place. <laughs> and like the Kardashian are like the celebrity judges who will choose which dish they like the best. Do we just create like an Avengers of reality show heroes? Or they come up with like the most stupid kitchen for like the chefs to work in. The chefs are like, how can we work in this fucking kitchen? I like that as the title for the show, The Most Stupid Kitchen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Midnight Breakfast Cafe. To get the latest episodes, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found or follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcasts. You can find links to things we discussed this episode, including the capsule wardrobe app I mentioned, on our website at midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. If you're enjoying the show, please like and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners find us. See you next time.